Spirit Day. I'm glad you guys get to have fun. Uh, it actually is going to be fitting. I didn't know it was Spirit Day, but uh, I'm going to do a little bit more practical teaching today. I would encourage you to take some notes. I'm going to, uh, I text Brother Armacost and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about teaching on. What do you think? And he says, well, if nobody else needs it, Andrew needs it. So uh, <laughs> why don't you preach it? No, he didn't say that. Um, I'm going to be speaking today on how to find your life's mate. How to find your life's mate, and uh, just kind of some practical thoughts, and uh, you know what, I know that you teen boys over here, I know that you guys are not, you've never even thought about dating, or, I mean, you're like girls, what, what, girls, don't even know. Now, it's a little bit more kind of the nature and the heart of a young lady, she's probably been dreaming for years about that day already, looking, looking for that time. So, getting ready. I know you guys aren't quite there yet, but it's coming. But for this group in here, you, you are right in the thick of it. You're, you're right there at that place, that stage where you're looking for that magical one that's going to meet and fulfill all of the dreams and expectations you have in your head. Turn to Genesis chapter number 24. We want to get into the Word of God, and, and it is going to be a lot of teaching uh, this is not going to be a, a real draw like a standard, like preaching. You know, the motivation of preaching is to bring about a decision, to bring people to a place of decision. If, you, if, if your preaching lacks that, then you need to work on it because that's the goal of preaching. People ought to have to make a decision when you bring your message to a conclusion. Today is not really going to be about that. Today is going to give you some insight, hopefully some, some thoughts, and help you make some wise decisions in your life as you're preparing for this step. But listen, next to salvation, I believe that the person that you marry is the most important decision that you're going to make this side of heaven. It's permanent. The two of you together are going to make an awesome team. You are going to just have a great time being married, a great time together, living life, it's going to be amazing, like you've pictured in your mind. Or you're going to join the miserable masses that make up the majority of jokes about marriage. And the reason there's so many jokes about that is because it is a reality for many people. The fact of the matter is, when, when Mary and I started dating in college, now I, I had the privilege in college that the only girl in college I dated is this lady over here. She, she knew this was coming. Now, that, I'm not saying that's what you need to do. Sometimes it's a little while before you learn what a person's really like, and maybe that's not God's person for you. You know, that's the state. But in, in my life, that's now the number of guys she dated. Do you want me to list those? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you notice where she's sitting, okay, <laughs> we're going to get back to that in a little bit here, amen, yeah, well, I lost my place here, what I, oh, what I wanted to say is, I told my wife when we were dating, I said, you know what, I don't want to get married, so I don't know why we're doing this, and I was serious with her, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm seriously considering, let's just call this off, let's stop, because I don't want to get married, and there's no reason to date if you're not ready and planning to get married. And, and she's like, what? And I says, you look, even at godly homes, you look at even these people that come to church every single Sunday, and they're miserable. They're miserable. They're just living together. They're just existing. And I said, I want that. 
Why would I want that for my life? I want something that's different. And by God's grace, we have had uh, 27 years, right, <laughs> of, of amazing marriage. It's, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It, it, my best friend's sitting over here. I'd rather be with her than anybody else. I look forward to going home. And you can have that, but you've got to do it right. This is a permanent decision. So in this stage of life, I would exhort you, encourage you to make the right decision. In this time of the world, young people are as unprepared and as confused as ever about how to find the right one. If you want to have a happy home, you better do it God's way. In our text, Genesis 24, we're not going to read the the entirety of the text because of time. I've got a lot of ground to cover and not that much time to do it. Uh, so we're, we're not going to read, but I'm going to, we're going to walk through it just kind of verse by verse. I'll give you the verses as we get to the different points. But we see here, of course, this marvelous story about Isaac and, uh, that beloved son of Abraham. And we, we hear about how God brings him a mate. There's three main events in the life of Isaac. First of all, that we know that he was a miraculous gift of God to Abraham and Sarah. You know, I'm not preaching on this, but every life is a gift. Every person is valuable. I don't understand a person not believing or thinking that they have value. And sometimes it's because you've been mistreated or abused or somebody uh, didn't have the, the compassion to tell you that you're loved. But you know that God loves you and that you are valuable and every person is important. And don't let Satan come and tell you that you have no value, that you're not important. We see God, that Isaac there was a gift. We see then the miraculous thing about how uh, he was saved there on the mountain from being sacrificed. And uh, if you're privileged here this morning to have been saved because God provided a lamb, you can praise the Lord for that. You have the salvation and we thank God for that. But then we see the third thing that God did is he gave him a wife. How many of you men are looking for a wife? I was going to ask this morning, uh, do we have any married students in here? And I'm looking out, and usually married students are a little bit older and kind of crusty, you know. And uh, <laughs> married students are usually, they're walking around, they got big bags under their eyes, and they're just, just like in a daze while they're at college. And I'm like, I don't see anybody like that. And I said, but I'm you got any married students? He's like, no, actually, I don't think we do. So I, I didn't ask that. But, you know, how many of you young men, young ladies, you want to get married someday? Don't be embarrassed someday. Maybe not to the person you... you or currently dating, maybe? No, I don't know. <laughs> but you want to get married someday, amen? The college, the high schools wanted to raise their hand, but they didn't. Well, God can miraculously bring you somebody that will be a helpmate for you. In Genesis 2.18, he says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what. Marriage is fun, it's exciting, but if you're going to do it, you've got to do it God's way. It's an amazing thing that out of all the Bible, sometimes in the Word of God, God gives us the history of a people in a matter of three or four verses. A whole, a whole generation, a whole group of people, they summed up, they, they rose up, they did this, and they died in their, their entirety in three or four verses. Yet here we have 67 verses that God gave to the finding of a mate. I want you to know it's important to God who you end up with. And this something shouldn't be entered and taken 
carelessly. So if you will today, would you take some notes? I want to get some engagement because we're going to do some teaching and I don't want you to fall asleep on me. Uh, first, of all, first of all, we see the provocation for a mate. What is the motivation? What is the provocation? What is causing you to find a mate? You know, uh, for some, it's simply a practical consideration. <laughs> Just a practical consideration. Um, that's what young people do. Let's get married. Practically, we, you know, it's just they get young people get married, so we're going to get married. And, you know, I've actually had some that were a little older. They, they quite literally told me the reason they wanted to get married was for the tax benefits. Quite literally, that was their motivation. Uh, I, I've had people tell me that they wanted somebody to split living expenses with. That's the reason, because it's a lot cheaper to live with two people than with one. I want you to know that's not a good motivation to tie your life up with somebody. I mean, you talk about asking for trouble. It shouldn't be just a practical motivation, and for some, it's a physical consideration. Uh, I'm tired of being lonely. This tends to be ladies who really get hung up on this. I'm just tired of being lonely, so I'm looking for that person. I want somebody. You know what? If you're a lonely, bitter person right now, getting married isn't going to fix that. We dealt with it last night. The idea of contentment is, are you content with where God has you right now? Just being content with that. You're, you're, you're a lonely, bitter person. You'll just be a lonely, bitter person when you're married. Because your expectations aren't going to be met. What you want to be fulfilled is not going to happen. You know, two people that get married that are looking for their mate, and this, this is very typical. It's a mindset today. They're looking for their mate to satisfy all their desires. They're looking for their mate to make them happy. I'm just looking for somebody to make me happy. You don't need somebody to make you happy. You need to get happy in the Lord. You should be a happy person right now. One young lady talking to me wanting to get married, and I said, if somebody asked me if they should marry you or not, I'd tell them no. She says, why? I said, because you're an angry person. You're upset all the time. You're, you're, you're not happy. Why would I want to tell a guy to marry that? You, you, you get happy. Getting married is not going to fix it. Two people that are looking for their mate to make them happy, what it turns out to be is two uh, blood-sucking ticks. That they suck the life out of each other. And neither one of them are happy. That's what it is. I, you can laugh. It's all right. This is spirit day. You can have fun today. I know normally you get to marriage for laughing in chapel, but today it's okay. <laughs> You want, it, it, it shouldn't just be to, to satisfy that lonely heart you have. Are you content with what God has you, where God has you? Some men think that if they get married, they'll finally be able to get victory in their mind. Listen, if you have a problem with looking at the wrong thing, and you think, man, if I get married, I'll be able to satisfy the, the physical desires that I have, and, and that'll fix this problem I have in my mind, I want you to know that won't happen. Just because you cross a platform and say, I do, doesn't fix the spiritual problem in your heart. And you owe it to whoever you're going to end up with to get that spiritual problem fixed now. Until one day you've been married for two or three years and she's going to come down and find you on the computer looking at the wrong thing. And her heart's going to be broken. She's going to believe that she's not enough for you. Because you've got to find satisfaction somewhere else. You need to get it fixed now. Marriage should not be motivated just by physical considerations. That should not be the reason. 
For some, beloved, it is part of God's plan, and that's the reason. You get married because it's God's plan. It's the Lord's will. Abraham and his servants sought for God's will. Now, I believe that God has an appointed person for you. Would you look at Genesis 24 there? Look down in verse number 13 and 14. He said, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the cities come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And I believe that God has a person for you. Now, there's some teaching going around today that that's not the case. They, they, they say, well, you just find somebody that, that you're compatible with and get married. Because there's, there's not a, a person in all the world just for you. But I believe when you look at the principles of the Word of God with regards to God's will, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That God has a plan and an order for your life. And you see his, Him directing people in the Word of God. And right here we say that God had an appointed person for Isaac. That's right. And I believe God has somebody for you. A particular person. Now, the, the problem is, is young people get in their mindset. They don't have a biblical mindset. They have a Hollywood mindset. You see, they think that that, that appointed person is the, the one that they're going to walk through the door one day. And there she's going to be. And the lights are going to dim. And the orchestra is going to come up. And they're going to lock eyes. And it's going to be love at first sight. The heart is going to start to beat. The pulse is going to raise. And they're going to know from that moment that she's the one. They've got a Hollywood mindset. It's not that way. I mean, you might look across the room and see somebody that you're attracted to. That's normal. Okay? But you've got to stop buying into this idea. I believe there's a balance here because there's an appointed one for you. And the problem is, is people think, well, if they find that one, if they meet that one, the one that's going to complete me, the one that's going to provide everything for me, I'll meet that one and marriage is just going to happen. We're going to live happily ever after. It's going to be miraculous. Oh, I'm looking forward to having that one. And they think if they find that one, that it's just going to happen. I want you to know that love is not enough. That just because you find the one, the appointed one, I want you to know it still takes work. You still have to do it God's way. It doesn't just happen. But you do it God's way and it can be amazing. It can be one of the most exciting parts of your life. And that's what you want. Amen? That's what you want. But it takes doing it God's way. It takes doing it right. God has an appointed one for you to marry, I believe. And God will lead and direct your steps. If you're going to do it God's way, you'll find God's person. You get married because it's part of God's plan for you and you found the one that God wants you to marry. Now, following God's plan, uh, the Bible says in, he, in Proverbs 18.22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Okay, there is implicit or implied in that text that there is some looking involved. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. There's some effort extended. God's not just going to magically drop them in your lap, ladies, there has to be some effort on your part. There has to be some, you know, some effort of looking, guys. You've got to get out and, and do what's needed and necessary to try and find that one. 
you see in the story here that they went a long ways. They had quite a, quite a journey to try and go find the one. There is implied here in that text some, some looking, some looking involved. Now, listen, this is analytical looking. And you say, but that's not romantic. Analytical? What does that even mean? What, this is, you're talking about just using your head? Yes. I'm saying use your head. Use your mind. Because when you get the heart involved, forget it. I tell my kids all the time, you can't trust your heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And it's a worldly philosophy that says, I just have to trust my heart. Oh, I just got to trust my heart. And mom and dad are saying, the guy's a bum. And the pastor's saying, drop him. And the staff workers are saying, I haven't seen him do anything good. I don't think he's probably the one for you. And you're saying, but I love him. But he, he, he means so much to me. My heart says he's going to be better. You can't trust your heart. You've got to use your head. You get your heart involved. And I tell my kids, I've said this before, said, you think about these things before the heart gets involved. You consider these things before because once the heart's involved, it's hopeless. You've stopped thinking. Stopped using your head. Yeah. Some of you rely on your feelings too much. Your feelings. You like it. You like that feeling. That feeling of being loved and being wanted. To being looked at as somebody special. You like that feeling that you get down inside. You like it when that texter, do you guys do notes anymore? We passed notes when we were in school. We had a little box. You guys all communicate digitally now. You're like, what's notes? <laughs> I think I still have a piece of gum wrapper that my wife wrote a note on. She wrote a note on a piece of gum wrapper. Left it in my Bible. Hey, we didn't have cell phones back then. You know, you like that feeling, you're letting that feeling run your life. But you can't trust your feelings. Do we have anybody in here that's an accomplished musicianist or whatever, accomplished pianist or violinist or something? Now, nobody's going to raise their hand. Somebody else points somebody else out and say they're accomplished. You know, somebody, there's somebody that's accomplished who, Miss Star. Uh, can I ask you, did you feel like practicing the piano when you were younger and mom told you to go practice the piano? <laughs> no. How many of you felt like getting up and going to classes every day last week? <laughs> My wife was the only one that raised a hand. <laughs> she loves being in the classroom. It was so frustrating in college. College was hard for me. I had to study like crazy to be a B student. <laughs> I mean, I had to study hard. Dr. McNeely used to give away Michigan stickers if you got 100 on your, on your test. He'd put a Michigan sticker on there. Remember that? You know, in five years of college, I never got a Michigan sticker. <laughs> and I mean, I worked. I'm like, I'm going to get it on this test. I worked hard. I'm like, I'm getting 100 on this test. My wife, she would walk into class, and I'll be, did you study last night? She's like, I'm studying right now. 
you're studying right now? Like right now is when you're studying? Yeah. Like five minutes before class? Yeah. She walks out. Hundred. Got a hundred. <laughs> got a hundred. She got so many Michigan stickers, her papers are heavy on this side. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is you don't feel like going to class. You don't get good at something because you do what feels good. You get good at it because you practice, because you put in the effort, because you do what you know you're supposed to do. You don't go to class because it feels good. You go because you know you're supposed to do it. You got to stop trusting your feelings with regards to your relationship, and you do what you know you're supposed to do. Okay? Now we want to talk about the, the place, the place that you find a mate. And we're not going to spend long here, but look down in Genesis 24, verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. And he said, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife of my son Isaac. You need to look in the right place. Here's a truth for you. Okay, are you ready? This is the truth. You might want to write it down. This, this is profound. You're very likely going to find your mate where you're looking. It's probably going to happen. The question is, are you looking in the right place? Where are you going to find your mate? You say, Pastor Caleb, we're all here in Bible college. This is where we're looking. <laughs> we are looking here. Amen. That's good. But the reason I bring this up is because I have seen young people, things weren't going so well in Bible college, and they went home for Christmas or they went home for summer, and they found some guy or some girl at work, started dating, started building a relationship with them, and uh, ended up not even coming back to school. Now, I've been doing this long enough to see the end result of a lot of that. You need to be looking in the right place. The Bible is very clear that we're not to be unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together. There's a clear demarcation line given to us in the Word of God, a, a line that believers and unbelievers aren't to be married. In the Old Testament, they were not even to put a clean animal with an unclean animal. If God had that kind of a line for animals, what do you think about his, He feels about His people? So you need to be looking at the right place. So where do you look? Well, you look in a good, fundamental, independent Baptist church. And not just somebody that's attending. Not somebody that, well, he's a believer. He just got saved last week. I mean, he was on the corner dealing drugs the week before. But he, he saved. He's a Christian. And he likes me. You might want to wait and see how that goes. Before you start building a relationship with them. Somebody that's involved, somebody that's participating, that's active, that's a part of the ministry, that's serving, that has a heart for God. You know, I've seen it. It's amazing to me how young people, and let me just throw this out since you're all here, and at this point, I'm not pointing anybody out because I have no idea. But, you know, it's amazing. I've seen it where they're, they're at college and they can, they can do all their classes. They can be involved in the ministries. They can, can do their job. They get all of their schoolwork done, and they help set up for banquets, and they help tear down from the banquet, and they come out to work party, and they go over to people's houses, and they're involved in all this, but then they come home for summer, and it's crickets. Oh, well, they're there for church. 
But somehow they can't be involved. They don't have time to help teach a Sunday school class. They don't have time to help on a bus route. They don't have time to get involved in any of the ministries. Some reason they can't make it to work party once a month. And they're, it's summertime. They're not doing all their classes. How is that? Well, it's because they don't have a heart for it. So you need to look at that. You say, well, college is kind of hard to see. Well, talk to their mom and dad. Talk to their pastor. Find out what they believe, how, how, they, how they are on those things. The right place is going to be in a good church. Then we're getting down to the heart, to the meat of it. And this is where you, want, this is where you really wanted to get to, the process, the process of finding a mate. Some of you say, I already found one. Yeah, you might want to check. I want to check on that. The process of finding a mate. First of all, pray for God's will. So what's the first thing do you do? Okay, there's four of you that are awake. First thing you do is what? Pray. You want to pray for God's will. In Genesis 24, verse number 12, he says, And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee. I pray thee. He prayed. Pray for God's will. God says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Do you believe in prayer? So pray that God will bring you to the right person. Can I let you in on a, on a very embarrassing secret? Now, you guys still have the practice rooms down in the boys' dorm, right? There's still practice rooms in there? That's where you go to get alone and really get a hold of God. Where you have your devotions and your walk with Jesus. I made a lot of good decisions in the, that room over there. But can I tell you that after Mary and I had been dating for a little while, I looked at her and I said, Man, this is a godly young lady. She's too good for me. She's, I don't deserve her. I'm an idiot. She's going to wake up and find out she's dating an idiot and she's going to be gone. Or the staff's going to tell her. <laughs> one, one way or the other. I got into that room over there. I got on my knees. And I begged God. I said, God, if you'll let me marry her, I'll never ask you for anything again. Now that lasted about a day. <laughs> But I was on my, I said, God, I believe this is the one that you have for me. And if you let it happen, Lord, listen, please, Lord, I'll never ask you for anything again. To this day, it's one of the embarrassing prayers that I've had. (laughs) I had to repent and say, I know I said I would never ask you for anything. But Lord, now that we're married, (laughs) a couple things I need. You know. God, God says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I believe that's twofold. I love that verse. I believe it's twofold. I believe that God will give you the right desires. If you don't have the right desires, if you are delighting yourself in God, God will change your desires. Now, you guys, a lot of you probably don't know my testimony, but when I, when I came to college, I wanted, I wanted to be rich like you. But I, wa- I wanted to be filthy rich. I mean, I wanted, there used to be, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, a doctor that lived in Valpo that had a helicopter, and he would fly. He, li- he worked in uh, Chicago, and he would fly his helicopter to work. 
And uh, I said, that's, that's going to be me. I wanted to be filthy rich. Me and Elon, we're going to be buds. <laughs> but I wanted to be godly. But I desired to be rich. And that's what I wanted to make. I wanted to make a lot of money. But I began to delight myself in the Lord. And I was going to go out. I was coming to Fairhaven to get grounded biblically because I was going to go out and make a lot of money. But I wanted to be a godly businessman. I wanted to earn a lot of money, but I wanted to, as I was doing it, be pleasing to the Lord. Use the money that I made to fund God's work and accomplish great things for the Lord. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to be real. I wanted to be a Christian, and so I wanted to get grounded. But God changed my desire slowly from wanting to make a lot of money to wanting to invest in people's lives. God changed my desire. And then here's the thing. If you have the right desire, then God will give you the desire of your heart. And as a college student, I had my own business. At one point, I had 12 other college kids working for me. By the world standards, as a 23-year-old, I was pretty successful. All my bills were paid. I was making 50, 60 bucks an hour. From the world, what I'm saying is, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thy heart. It's what God will do. But you've got to delight yourself in God. Pray, and God will do it. Then patiently wait. Patiently wait for God's time. Look at verse number 21. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He held his peace. To wit, whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous. He thought, you know what? Is this, has this been successful? Some of you are wondering, have I been prosperous? Has this been successful? But you've got to patiently wait on God. Wait. Listen, it's far better to wait and get the right one than to go ahead and marry and end up with the wrong one. I have had a couple in my office that were married for seven months. At seven months, they sat in my office and said, we're done. We can't live together. You don't want that. Can you imagine having to spend the rest of your life with somebody that in seven months you said, there's no way I can't keep going? How do you get from standing at the altar, fully committed to one another in love, telling the whole world, there's nobody else in the world I want to be with but this person, in seven months to saying, I can't stand this person. You didn't wait on God. You didn't wait. Ladies, wait. This is really, ladies have this thing. They think, oh, I've got, I mean, this is the one because this is the one that said yes. This is the one that asked me. This has to be the one. It's the only one that's asked me. One guy said, out of all the people in the world that my wife could have married, she chose me. And he said, well, actually, all, out of all the people in our town that she knew that would say yes, she chose me. <laughs> Get it down to reality. Listen, if he's not the one... He's not the one. Don't, don't jump 
ahead. Don't just wait on God. Be patient. God will bring the right one at the right time and you will be so thrilled. But if you jump the gun, you won't be thrilled. So you pray, you patiently wait, and then you pursue God's way. Pursue God's way. Look at verse number 27. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of this mercy and his truth. I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Being in the way. If you're going to find God's person, you've got to be doing it God's way. You've got to be in the way. That's where he found this one. You've got to pursue God's way. Do it how God would have it done. Do what God would want you to do. We dealt with it last night, the idea of doing right. Do right. Young man, if you want to live footloose and fancy free, right now you want to not control these and, and take in and look at a lot of things you shouldn't be looking at, you want to listen to the wrong kind of music and watch the wrong kind of movies? And yet you want God to bring you a godly young lady who's going to love you and you alone and commit her life to you? That's what you want? Yeah, that's not going to happen. You've got to do it God's way. You've got to be in the way. You've got to be doing what you know is right to do. And God will bring you that kind of a person doing right. Doing it God's way. If you're going to be doing it God's way, you're going to maintain a pure relationship. Okay, this, this can't be overstated. The Bible is very clear on this, and I don't care what society says is acceptable. And you know what? I don't know all your parents. Some of your parents may, may feel that it's okay for you to hold hands. Some of your parents may feel it's okay. I was talking to one couple that uh, they said they didn't care if their daughter made out in the back seat with her boyfriend. They felt that was acceptable. But what does the Bible say, young people? What does the Bible say? It's good for a man not to touch a woman. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. You're going to maintain a pure relationship. I know you guys have dealt with this and you've heard a lot of preaching on it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But don't get physical. You know, when you get physical, the ability to think goes out the window. Your mind disengages, and you get stupid. That's what happens. You get physical, and you've lost all ability to reason. The clearest of example of this is Samson. I mean, we all read the story of Samson. We look at him, and we think, how in the world could he be so dumb? This girl is ready to kill him. This girl has not once, not twice, not three times. I mean, he, he, she has come and said, hey... What is it that will take away your strength? And then she did it. And then the next day, oh, you don't love me. Oh, what, what will take away your strength? And he tells her. And she did it again. And we're like, how can he be so dumb? Because he was being physical with her. 
and all of the ability to think goes out the window. Don't get inside of marriage, it's an amazing thing. It's wonderful. It's part of God's plan. Outside of marriage, don't do it. Okay? Amen. Maintain a pure relationship. And then consult the authorities that are in your life. If you're going to do it God's way, maintain a pure relationship and consult the authorities that are in your life. Your parents, contrary to popular opinion, are not put on earth to make your life miserable. They don't just hate every person you choose. Okay? In reality, how many of you know that your parents aren't perfect? Even my kids. They understand. We know that. But they really do want what's best for you. So consult your parents. Talk to them. And if mom or dad are saying this is not the one, then you have some work to do. Listen, I was dealing with one young lady. Her and this young man wanted to get married. They were ready to get married. And her mom and dad said no. This lady was in her 30s. You say, does she still have to honor mom and dad? She's 30. She can do what she wants. She came to me and says, what should I do? I said, here's the thing. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. The Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father. I said, what you need to do is you need to go talk to your mom and dad and say, I love you. You know my heart's desires to get married. I believe this is the right one, but I'm going to honor you. And I won't do it without your permission. She's like, what? That's not what she wanted to hear. I said, you need to go tell her that. And then you need to go pray. And if it's the right one, ask God to change their heart. You know, she's married today. She's married to that person. It only took about six months. And God changed mom and dad's heart. And they said, we see it. But do you know what kind of a mess her life would have been if she were just married against mom and dad's wishes? How many years of turmoil and, and struggle and hardship they would have had in their families because of that? Just do it God's way. Consult your parents. Honor, honor them in the decisions you're making. You say, well, I'm an adult and I can do what I want. Honor your mom and dad and God will honor you. I believe it. Talk to your pastor. Okay, many times the pastor knows things about the family. That's not public knowledge. Might know things about the student. Talk to the dean. Talk to the dorm supervisor. Talk to the bus captain. And if all of them are saying, listen, the guy doesn't get out of bed. The guy doesn't have his devotions. The guy misses his responsibilities all the time. Oh, but I love him. Wake up. That's going back to what I was talking about, using your head instead of your heart. Consult the authorities that are in your life and apply a lot of credence to what they have to say. So we have so far, we have first, what do you do? Pray. Then what? Patiently wait. And then what? Pursue God's way. Do it God's way. And then some practical considerations. Some practical considerations, okay? There should be some physical chemistry. There should be some attraction there. Look in verse uh, 16. In verse 16 it says that she was very fair to look upon. Rebecca was good looking. Not just fair. 
No girl wants to be thought of, well, she's fair. <laughs> yeah, she's fair. No, very fair to look upon. So, listen, she, she was good looking. This is important, personal chemistry. She ought to be attractive to you. Listen, you're going to wake up next to them for the rest of your life. It ought to be, she ought, you ought to be attracted to them. And then personal character. Personal character. Are they spiritual? Are they respectful to authority? If they're always bad-mouthing the authority, this is not good. Big alarm bell. Are they respectful to authority? Are they willing to serve others? Not just in ministry, but even out in public. Do they have a servant's heart? Do they consider others? Let other people go before them. Do you notice when you're out in public that they're thinking about others, not just them? Are they a hard worker? Are they good with money? Good with money. Very important. If they haven't made any dents in their school bill, probably not the person you want to tie your life to. If they don't have a plan, are they in control of their spirit? I know I'm flying because I'm almost out of time. Are they in control of their spirit? Listen, all of us know that we act. We put on our best front. I got up this morning and combed my hair. And I don't even have any hair. <laughs> we put on a front for other people, don't we? I want you to know that the person that you're dating is putting on a front for you. Not necessarily sinful or wrong. We want to be our best. We want to make a good impression. So it's not the acting that you need to pay attention to. It's the reacting. How do they react when they get bad news? When they step in the closet and find out they got ten demerits. What? This is so stupid. Boy, I can't stand this staff member. That staff member, he just has it in for me. This is a... And you're like, well, he's not normally that way. No, because normally he's acting. Are they in control of their spirit? Very important. And you need... The way they react is the person they are. On the inside. And after you get married for a few years and they stop acting, that is the person you're going to be living with. Somebody that's angry, upset, has a temper. So very important. Are they in control of their spirit? And then you need to consider, this is so important, consider the potential clan. That's just because I wanted it to be alliterated. Okay, you do marry the family. I don't care what people say. I'm not marrying the family. Yes, you are. I'm just marrying him. Yeah, that's because you're thinking with your heart instead of your head. The fact of the matter is, is you marry the family. She's part of that family. He's part of that family. And let me just tell you, you, well, I'm not going to go there. You, you marry the family. This is so important. So important. I have so, so much. This whole last section, I could have spent the, just this, practical considerations, I could have spent the entire message on this. These things you need. That's all. Listen, as I close here today, what do you want in your future mate? We've put all these things out there and said, that's what you need to be looking for. But now I want to turn that around and I want to say, is that what you are? Because somebody is looking at you and saying, is that the future mate I want? Well, are you that person? All right.
Thanks for letting me come today. I hope that uh, gave you some thoughts that will help. I know that you're in this stage of life. Uh, Brother Armacost, would you come? I'll let you handle it however you would like.